Hey weirdos, I'm Hannah Sainty and welcome to the Your Weird Podcast, the place that talks to creatives, artists and people living their best lives about how they do what they do, why they do what they do and how being a bit weird is a superpower. If robots are taking all our jobs, we better figure out how to harness the one thing that they can't do, be creative. Enjoy the show. Welcome back to another episode of the Your Weird Podcast. I'm really excited to be talking to you today and I'm really enjoying doing these fortnightly episodes. I hope you are too. I'm trying to give it a little bit of a chance for you to have a listen to what's being said and maybe take something away for yourself or research the people that I've been interviewing or just doing their homework. I don't know if any of you have been doing the homework. I've had a couple of messages saying they've done it and it's been really lovely and I have been doing the homework as well. I am planning on uploading videos of me doing the homework just so I can sort of like prove to you that I am taking some of my own medicine. Uh, That'll be available if you're interested through the Patreon. So if you just jump onto my Instagram and onto the link tree in the bio, you'll be able to find it there if you are interested. Now that that little plug is out of the way, let's jump in to today's topic. So today's topic is fear. It's like fear, it's anxiety, it is stage fright. That is what I want to talk about. And the reason why I want to talk about it is because it's something that affects a lot of people. I myself am one of them and it has affected me really badly over the past sort of two months. Now, this is while I was still in Perth and we were doing Perth Fringe World. I was doing gigs most nights and everything was going fine. I was having a good time and then out of nowhere, for absolutely no reason, I started to get a weird sense of stage fright. Now, I was lucky enough that it wasn't sort of stopping me from speaking at all, but instead it was just restricting my airflow. All of my breath was sitting like at the bottom of my neck and the top of my chest and I could not inhale. I was having like a full-blown anxiety attack while on stage and performing. And it was really funny. The first night this happened, like I could not catch my breath at all. And I actually, I, I genuinely had to sort of change the way that I was performing. I still perform my jokes, but I had to actively think about the sort of character I was being on stage and how I could use this problem to get through my performance And it was funny because it actually changed the way that I performed the jokes. Like I put pauses in places that I wouldn't normally put them, but it was just for the simple fact that I had to stop talking because I'd run out of breath. And I got through it and it was fine. Like the gig was fine. Now I've got to say that this fear that set in didn't come from me having like a crazy bomb that happened a couple of nights before, thank God, like touch wood. It had nothing to do with that. Like I don't genuinely have a reason why I got stage right out of nowhere. And it wasn't just that night. It went on for the next few gigs that I was doing. Like I just, I could not breathe. And part of me just wanted to hold my chest and like keel over and, and just sort of fight for air. But you know, once a show pony, always a show pony. I just got on with it. But I kept thinking like, I can't have this happening. Like how long is this fear, is this stage fright going to set in? And it got me sort of thinking about how weird fear is. Fear is just supposed to be threat detection. Right. So that's that's what we that's what we have. And for me on this stage, like I what my body and my brain was thinking that there was a threat detection. Like I'm on stage, I'm there to make people laugh. The biggest threat that is on offer is just me to myself where I don't make people laugh. You know what I mean? And I was like, Oh cool. Also, thank you, body. Your response to me being in danger isn't to sort of like tell me to run away from the stage into a safe space. It's just to stop me from breathing. So in essence, getting me closer to death, not helpful, but nonetheless, like fear is there for a reason. It is like, it it is a useful emotion 
And like, you know, it's supposed to be a tool to keep us alive. So like way back when, when we were still in tribes and living in huts made from cow poo and not like doing a lot of washing. I mean, for some people, I know that's still happening. Um, I've definitely lived in some questionable share houses. But like, you know, we were afraid of like real threats, things that were threatening our lives, like lions and tigers and other scary tribes and spiders and winter. I mean, again, like I'm actually still afraid of winter. Like I don't do well with the cold. I get kind of cranky. But in reality, those literal threats come from true threats that we're born with. So we're born, there was a study that was done in the 1960s, right? I'm a total nerd and I go and research all this stuff. So just trust me. So in the 1960s, a study was done to find out exactly what the fears that we're born with are. And they only came down to two. Now that was falling and loud noises, which is kind of funny because I, I kind of think of what that study would actually be if you did it again today. It'd probably be like still falling, that's scary. Loud sounds, that's still a bit scary when you're not ready for it. But I also think that they would probably include like just the loss of followers and social status as well as gluten. But it makes sense when you're born, like, you, you know, you're in people's arms and you're afraid of being fallen because you'll kind of like crack your skull. And also their tiny eardrums can't handle much. Like they're not made for the sounds of Slipknot or Frank Walker from National Tiles. Hello, Frank Walker from National Tiles. Ugh. Do you see what I mean? It's scary. But all the rest of it, anything that's not immediately putting your life in danger, that's got to do with falling or loud noises or spiders and etc. The rest of it is all what's called learned fear. So what that means is that we're just learning how to be scared of stuff. We just go through life just picking up worries and concerns like Winona Ryder picking up anything in the 90s. I mean, I'm not going to pay her out because she's awesome and I watched Stranger Things and that genuinely scared me. I don't know about any of you, but when I watched the last season that came out, I watched it late one night and then I had the most hectic dreams I've ever had in my life. So lesson learned, it got into my psyche. But anyway, so what's happening is like we, we grow up just collecting complexes, which is like collecting suspicions and worries and dreads and anxieties and concerns like the Pokemon cards. It's really messed up. And then what do we do? We just line them all up in a little album. And then, you know, we flick to our page of our issues just when the time is right. And for me, that time that seemed to be right, just when I was in Perth and on stage for no apparent reason, just starting to have an anxiety attack while performing. Cool, thanks. But why? Because outside of like, you know, being afraid of falling down the stairs or the sounds of explosions or the the taste of rancid food or a rogue fire or like that weird dude that always, always hanging out the front of the kebab shop, like all the other fears are just useless. You know what I mean? But like, so I, I just don't understand why. We feel fear when it comes to art and performing. Now, I'll speak about performing and public speaking specifically because that is what I've experienced most recently and it's the only one that I can find some stats on. So apparently 75% of people are afraid of public speaking or just speaking in front of people. But it is a learned fear. Now, it is learned because that is not a threat to our lives, right? So obviously fear comes from threat detection meaning that it's going to put your life in danger. It's not really putting your life in danger. All that something like that is doing is putting your ego in danger. What we're really afraid of is we're afraid of judgment, rejection, failure, or having an open fly or a rogue nipple. And I'm not saying that these fears aren't fair enough. Like, again, they really are warranted, especially, you know, if you jump into the comment section of TikTok or 
Instagram or any of those sorts of things and you see the stacks on effect of people attacking each other and the artists and all those sorts of things like granted there are a lot of wonderful people who defend and only give positive comments but I mean if you end up doom scrolling you see it all you can kind of see that it's a bit brutal out there and maybe you've also learned it from you know experiences in your own personal life you've witnessed it with others on social media and now you've experienced it in your personal life as well maybe from a teacher who wasn't so constructive in their criticism or maybe from you know just a family member who comes to a show and then says to you hmm that wasn't your best i already knew that but anyway the worst part about these sorts of experiences and because they're learned is because they start to build up on top of each other so you've witnessed the comment section maybe for yourself or for an artist that you admire, you've gotten the negative bit of feedback from a teacher, you've got the negative bit of feedback from a friend or a family member, you've got the negative bit of feedback or the sort of backhanded compliment from a stranger. And as human beings looking for threat detection, what we do is we collect the negative ones and then we build our case for how everything is genuinely bad, which then builds the mechanism of fear. It's funny that, isn't it? We're always like great and we remember the worst thing that everybody says to us, but you don't remember the lovely things that people say to you. I did try and change that once. I started to write down the positive things just because all the negative ones were getting in my way. But what happens with this sort of building and our retention of all these negative moments means that that case is then built in our minds. And then we ourselves, our inner critic, become our worst critic. It's not an armchair critic. It is the left inferior frontal cortex critic. That's right. I went and researched it and I found where the inner critic lives and it is the left inferior frontal cortex of your brain, if you wanted to know. That's where your inner critic lives and that's the one who collects all of the data and then feeds it back to you when you want to do something cool and then it makes you scared of it. So now we know where the fears have come from and we might know why they've come to us, but that doesn't really help us get through them. The point is that they're a pain in the ass and we need to get over them so we can get on with it, right? So how do we do it? Now for me, I managed to stop my windpipe from being squeezed by my fear demon because I pushed on. Now, this doesn't work for everyone, but I, does everyone remember the 2000s film called Blue Crush? It was about like a a wannabe pro surfer who goes into like a famous competition trying to get sponsorship so she can pull herself and her friends out of poverty. Yeah, I know a story we can all relate to. But anyway, in this, in this film, like it had a big impact on me as a kid when I thought I was going to be a professional surfer. Because in this film, as she is doing the competition and she does her first run on this wave, she wipes out and smacks her head on a rock underwater. And she gets up and she's like, oh my God, I can't do this. Because she's afraid. Fair enough. But her mate in the water says to her, yes, you can. You just have to get back in the water before you have time to think about it. Now, what this said to me as a teenager, and I still think about it now, is that when something scary has happened to me, I need to act upon it before I start to build up a hectic fear around it. So as I'm getting anxiety after I did that first gig, how do I have just backed off and sat back and sort of brooded over the, the reason why I had anxiety? I would build up a fear that the anxiety is still sitting there and I wouldn't get back up on the stage. So for me, I did the blue crush method and I had to rip the bandaid off and jump back in which worked after, you know, four or five goes, it worked and now I'm not having anxiety attacks while I'm on stage. So yay, that's really good. But, um, you know, that's not for everyone. And who knows, I might have another fear come up again and I might have to use a different technique, but that's what worked for me and it might work for you. Also, side note, the mate in the water in the film probably should have checked if she had concussion. But, you know, Hollywood, we don't question things. 
So let's get down to business. Overcoming these fears and anxieties and these strange stage frights. Now, whether you've just started and you're just coming across a fear like has just happened to me, where it's just jumped up out of nowhere, or if you haven't started yet and you're afraid of starting, or even if you know you're someone who hasn't experienced fear yet, it's not a resistance for you, you're just fine and you're some sort of superhuman weirdo, just remember that I was fine too and then I wasn't. So maybe listen in. Now, firstly, what you have to do is you have to figure out what the hell you're scared of, right? Write it down. Writing it down is really helpful because once you write down exactly what you're afraid of, sometimes that can be enough. You're putting your concern onto a piece of paper. It's on a 2D piece of material and it makes the problem two-dimensional. It has no legs. It is hollow. And maybe that's enough. You look at it and you go, that's really silly. But you need to be specific with the fear, okay? You can, you can write down like, so for me, if I'm afraid of bombing, I would write down, I'm afraid that people aren't going to laugh. If you're an actor, you might say, I'm afraid that the director is going to yell at me or the audience is going to boo me at the cinema. If you're a novelist, you might be afraid that you'll get a letter back that tells you that your narrative arc didn't really work and it was really predictable. Write it down. Maybe that's enough because you look at it and go, that's really silly. But if it's not, you get to take it one step further. Find a fix for your fear. So it's all well and good to figure out the fear, but you can actually put the fear back in its place when you kind of go, well, I've got the answer to you. I have the anti-venom to your poison that you're sending me. Thank you, inner critic. So for me, obviously, if I write down that I'm afraid of having a bomb, I would say, okay, if I have a bomb, I'm going to come home and I'm going to stay up till 2am rewriting everything and relisting everything. And then I'm going to go back out to an open mic and then I'm going to try the re-edited version of my joke. You know, I'm finding a way to fix the fear. I mean, in all fairness, like it would probably be a few shower cries, you know, after the bomb and before doing the next gig, but I have a way to fix the problem. Number two, you can find practice that helps you short circuit your brain and short circuit the fear spiral. You can use some relaxation techniques. I come from a background of like yoga and massage and those sorts of things. So breathing techniques work really well for me. And I did them before going back on stage when I was having anxiety. You know, they can just be like deep inhales and deep exhales. Download an app. You, You can find plenty of them and it will take you through it. You can do mindfulness, you know, like focusing on something in the room and looking at its detail. You know, so I'm sitting in a bedroom right now and I can see a chest of drawers and I can see that there are really clean lines along all the drawers. I can see that there's a gloss on the wood, I can see that there's a different tonality in the wood, in the wood itself and in its grain. I can see that the light is hitting the drawers in a certain way in a mechanism. I can see all of the, the glints of the highlights on all of the draw knobs. You know what I mean? Like that, that's mindfulness. I'm sitting here, I'm looking at it and I'm in the room, which calms me down because I'm here and I realise that the threat isn't real. You can also do some cheeky visualisation, you know, visualising the success, you know, focusing on the ne- on the negative can sometimes bring on the negative. But if you focus on the success, what if it brings you some success? So I know a few people who do this, you know, they'll focus on the best possible outcome of what they're about to do. So for me, I might, if I'm on the stage or well, before I get on the stage, I'll actually visualise the crowd smiling and laughing and keeling over in, in ecstasy of, of joy as I'm speaking. I'm still yet to get to the keeling over in ecstasy of joy, but you know, like we're learning, we're learning crafts. For a painter, it might be like someone walking up to a piece of artwork and smiling or maybe having a little focused stare. Now, obviously you have to find your own success model and visualization because they're not transferable. Like if I had a focused stare when I'm on stage, I'm probably going to ask someone to walk me to my car. Practice is helpful, obviously, Like just keep practicing and doing whatever you're doing. Get to know your craft and your artwork. Get to know the way that you express yourself. Get to know it so well 
and then keep learning it so that your relationship with your artwork and with your muse is so strong that anything outside of it can't shake it. And just remember how good it feels when you really know something. It's like when you go to trivia and you know an answer, like you're so sure of the answer and the elation you get when you get that answer correct. Just think of that and and be your own team captain. Be your team captain of your craft, okay? I like alliteration, let me alone. And lastly, you can talk to your support network. Now, this might sound all fluffy to you. I don't care. It doesn't matter. These things that work, you don't have to tell anyone about it, but just get on with it and get over your fears so we can all be better people. And talking to your support network is cool. Okay. So make the problem smaller by talking to your friends, by talking to your family, by talking to someone you trust. Because I always see these sorts of things like these fears and these issues as a big balloon. And by telling one more person that you trust is like poking a needle into the balloon and slowly it's going to deflate. And if you don't know who to talk to, then go talk to a therapist. We've still got stigma around talking to therapists and I don't know why, because therapy is great. It's really good for you. Brains are like super complex and we're not equipped to deal with them. So stop pretending you are and actually go and see someone for some help. Because what they're also going to do is they're just going to tell you that it's normal. It's normal to feel. If you talk to colleagues about the same fear, you'll find that they feel the same way because it is normal. You've got to remember, it's not forever. And also think about this. Like when you are afraid of something that isn't a literal threat, like you're not going to die from it, you're not going to get maimed from it, then maybe, just maybe, you could do what I do. So I have a practice where I've actually chased fear. Me doing stand-up comedy was because I was afraid of it. I have to do it. Another fear that I have is I'm afraid of singing in front of people. Sorry, that's something that I have to do. So watch this space. I don't know when that will happen, but it's a fear that I have, so I have to do it. And the reason why I do this, the reason why I take on these fears as a challenge is because... Maybe, just maybe, what that fear is telling you is there's something amazing on the other side of it. Because often fear is excitement that has been lost in translation. And this isn't a place where Google Translate works, so you have to do the work. And if you're feeling all lost in your fear and you're still not feeling inspired to figure it out and get on with it, think about the fact that there are some pretty incredible people in the world who have also felt a lot of fear. And by them overcoming it has meant that we have got some pretty important and cool shit. For example... Vincent van Gogh, he had a lot of self-doubt and mental health issues, of course, but he used all of his flip outs in his artwork, you know, so a lot of people go and they look at his art and they can find a piece of themselves in the artwork or they can find a piece of their family in their artwork or they can understand humanity a little bit more from looking at the artwork. So go him. Stephen Hawking, he experienced fear and self-doubt because of his limitations in the beginning and like fair enough, like I can't imagine what that experience is. But he used it. He found a way to focus on the things that he wasn't limited by. And by doing that, the things that he was limited by no longer had power over him because he was so strong in what he could do instead of what he couldn't do. Thank God for that because, you know, he's done heaps of like really cool, important stuff that I can't explain. And then we've got JK Rowling or Rowling, whatever you want to say. It's Rowling to me, but anyway, I digress. And you know, it doesn't matter how you feel about her, you know, perspective on the world. We're talking about her as an author because she is one of the most successful authors of the past 50 years. But did you know that she had depression and self-doubt and fear when she was writing the first Harry Potter? And then stacked on top of that, she was rejected by 12 publishers. Now you got depression, fear, self-doubt and rejection all in one. And then she still pushed and then she managed to get Harry Potter published, went on to make however many books, stage shows, movies, right? Imagine if she hadn't. So what I'm saying is if you have been like me and you have experienced some fear, if you are experiencing some fear, work on it and push through it. Find a way to get around it and get over it because it's not worth not doing something amazing because you are nervous or because you have anxiety over it. There's cool stuff to be done, so get on with it. I'm going to end on a quote from Lou Crush because it was the thing that taught me how to move through fear and 
weirdly enough, I still think of it today. So it's only fitting that I end with a quote on it because this just seemed appropriate as well. So the lead character, Anne-Marie Chadwick, the surfer, she says to her friend, who is an aspiring singer, you need to face your fears because let me tell you, you can't run away from them. If you do, they're going to chase you. You've got to confront them. You've got to embrace them. And then once you do, you realize that they're not that scary after all. You'll be like, what was I so afraid of? You've got to go out there and make things happen for yourself. And ain't that the truth? Because that's what I did. I pushed through the fear. I pushed through the anxiety. And then I remembered, oh my God, I love comedy. And even if it went really badly, I'm still going to love comedy and I'm still going to keep doing it. Because in reality, it's really not that bad. I'm still alive. I haven't been maimed. We're all good. So put it in perspective and get over it. So I hope that's been somewhat inspiring for you and also gives you a little bit of information about where I am on my journey for creativity. Um, just give you a little update on the other things, just, you know, an FYI. I'm working on the t-shirts. I'm going to have some t-shirts coming out soon and I'm currently working on a show. Hopefully that'll be coming out by the end of the next year. I'm working on it a lot and going to get some feedback from some extra special professionals and I'm working on the artwork, so cartooning and all those sorts of things, just keeping all of my fingers in all of the pies because they all inspire one another. But we'll talk about all of that sort of stuff another time. Anyway, that's what's happening with me. I'd love to hear what's happening with you. Please do reach out to me on the Instagram at Hannah underscore Sainty. I'd love to see you on the Patreon, as I mentioned earlier. I'd love to just see you anywhere, everywhere. And if you can, please leave this podcast a review and hit the cheeky subscribe. That would do a lot of help for me if this has helped you at all. Anyway, thanks so much for listening, guys. And remember to stay weird because being normal is really boring. Bye. Thanks for getting weird with me. If you liked the episode, please subscribe and leave a review. And if you really liked the episode, consider signing up to the Patreon where you can help me help you. You'll get early access, uncut episodes, bonus episodes, and some other cheeky extras that you'll have to check out. You can find it at patreon.com forward slash Hannah Sainty. Now let's be more creative and less strung out. And remember that you're weird because being normal is really boring.